lot uh, about the discussion we had about self-control. Uh, oh, yeah, self-control question. And uh, my uh, addiction to buying power tools. Um, yeah, it's so sad. I, I really feel, though, like the Holy Spirit has really been moving. Because um, I've, I've been praying a lot um, about self-control and controlling my power tool addiction. Yeah, um, yeah. you got to control yourself, you know? Yeah, and it's Right, it really is through the Holy Spirit. Which is why I've been putting a lot of prayer into it. I've, I've really got the rain on it, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I'm, sure. I'm looking at power tools right now. I don't even feel anything. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, wow. 1995, but you know, I, I got it. See, self control. Self control. I feel you. It's really hard when I'm at work, though. Uh, Guys all around me are using car tools. I really want them. But you control yourself, right? Exactly. Self control. Yeah. I know. You can't give in, you know? I don't know. I never give in. <laughs> You're right. I mean, that's why I've talked to you about it. You've got such a great brain on your self control. I wish I was at your level. Oh, thank you.
it's not, it's singular. It's not plural, it's fruit. It's like one giant fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is, let's say this together, love, I'm sorry, did I, did that, okay, let's try it together, let's do it again, let's do it again, come on, I know we can do it. Okay, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. You did it, good job. Self-control just cuts across 
every personality type, everything, right? Just, I mean, I was thinking about this as I was, I was, I was studying. You think about, let's say, like, let's take out Lance Armstrong, right? You talk about, this guy was up, I forgot the time frame. After he had finished chemo for his cancer, he was up and running and training hard for the Tour de France. And I forgot the amount of miles he was running a day with him. He was so focused. I mean, you talk about the epitome, the poster child of self-controlled, self-discipline, right? Lance Armstrong. I mean, just rain or shine, right after chemo, he was practicing. He was training. And yet, even with all of his great amount of self-discipline, he was lacking in other areas, obviously. Character and honesty. Right? So here's my point. As humans... We can be born with uh, a great amount of self-control, but the type of self-control that I'm talking about goes deeper than that. It is more profound. It is a self-control that we can't uh, master on our own, and we can't manufacture on our own. It must be born of the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to dive into today and look at. All right, so what is self-control? Well, I found this definition. The Greek is egokratia, okay? Ego means self, right? Kratia is, is like, uh, like governance or rule. So we have to rule over ourselves. And let me just say this too. Just because we're talking about spirit-led self-control, it doesn't mean that in our personal lives we're gonna be like, I'm not led by the Spirit to get up and go to work this morning. I'm not going to do that. Like that's, we all know that to be productive adults in our culture, we have to discipline ourselves, right? Like you have to brush your teeth if you don't want to get nasty cavities and get a root canal done, right? Uh, if, if you want to keep your blood pressure down and be healthy and blow off steam, you need to go to the gym even when you don't feel like it, right? That's just part of being a, a, a big person. And even younger kids understand it. You know, sometimes Sophia will wake up in the morning and she's like, oh, I want to go to school. I'm like, well, guess what? You're going. I don't, I just, I said, are you sick? Do you have a fever? Are you bleeding? No. She's like, I just, I just want to stay home. I don't feel like going. I said, well, your mommy doesn't want to go to work sometimes, or I don't want to do this, but let's just suck it up. Let's do it. Let's go. Right? So we learn. So I'm not saying that, um, that this is not an excuse for us not to exercise self-control and to start everything. There's no escape. All right. So here's the definition from the American Psychological Association, which I think is really great, and it actually is a better definition than I found in a lot of the theological stuff that I looked at. This is the definition for self-control. The ability to delay gratification, resisting short-term temptations in order to meet long-term goals. The capacity to override an unwanted thought feeling, or impulse. The ability to employ a cool cognitive system of behavior rather than a hot emotional system. I think this definition was written just for me because I am, I'm not Italian, I'm Sicilian. I don't know if you guys know about the Sicilians, but Italy dumped all of their criminals in Sicily. what? I'm Sicilian? So I'm Sicilian, Hungarian, which has been called the scourge of Europe. It's super awesome. And then I'm Japanese. So I'm like just the axis of like 
angry and raging right there. Okay, let's move on here. This idea of, of self-control, too, isn't just referenced real quickly here in Galatians as a fruit of the Spirit. It is, it is an important concept that is found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, one of these key verses in the Old Testament is Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Uh, in this culture, you know, which didn't experience suburban sprawl, you had the city, okay? And any city that had any interest in surviving or thriving had to have a wall around it. It kept out um, marauders, invaders, looping pirates or whatever. It just, it was, okay, so it was how it was done. If you didn't have a wall up, um, you were done for as a city. You just kiss your hiney goodbye. Because there were, for sure, there were, there were armies that went around and looked for cities that had no fortification, no wall. That was a key thing back in the day, was to have a wall. We don't understand it because we're in suburban sprawl, we're spread out. But if you didn't have a city, you didn't survive, or a wall, you didn't, you didn't survive as a city. Now, what is interesting here is that this is an application to our own life, though. You know, I think a lot of times as humans, we see self-control or, like, let's just take budgets, for example. Budgets are boring, right? They're not sexy, and they're not fun, and they can feel constraining. But in the end, it's liberating, right, if you have a budget. Because you say, I have this amount of money to spend. Okay, and I can pay everything else. I'm not going to bounce everything. Great. Um, a, a couple of years ago, I, I, I used this guy in a sermon. His name is Brian Head Welch, okay? He uh, is the lead singer for Porn. He looks super scary. He's got like dreads and he wears like heavy eye makeup, right? He's got tats everywhere. If you're in that kind of thing, it's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> and so he just he looks he looks he looks gnarly, he looks scary, right? Okay, well, so he on his testimony, he came to know Jesus, and he talks about how he lived a life of excess. He denied himself nothing. And he could do it because he's he's like a multi-millionaire, okay? He had multiple private planes. He had mansions on, you know, sprinkled throughout the world. He had chicks all over the place. He did drugs whenever, however he wanted. He had them delivered to his hotel room, wherever, whatever. He drank the best liquor possible. He was always blacking out. He just ate the finest food. So he's living this life of excess, right? Until finally, and he denied himself nothing. It, it caught up to him. His liver starts to tank. He becomes an insomniac because he's not, you know, between all the drugs and the anxiety and the stress and everything, he, and all this junk he was putting in his body, his body was starting to shut down. And he, he came to know Christ. That's a cool story. If you guys have a chance, you should check it out on YouTube. So he's doing a line of coke, right, in one hand, and he's reading the book of Matthew with the other. <laughs> Talk about God meeting you where you're at. God knows no boundaries. 
and he's doing a line of coke, and he's reading Matthew. And God's like, Brian, what are you doing? I revealed myself to you. You need to choose. Who are you going to serve? Yourself and your excesses or me? And right? You know, it's like within the week, he got rid of everything. His drugs. He still looks gnarly. But he, this guy, is so awesome. It just gives me chills. He is so sold out for Jesus. It is, it is amazing. Okay, but here's my point. We can live a life of excess and indulge everything. Right? But God built us. He made us. He knows what's how we're going to, under what conditions we're going to work best. And it's not to excess. That will kill us and destroy us. We have to, we have to exercise self-control. And not just the self-control that says, I'm not going to touch this donut. I'm not. I'm going to eat celery because it's better. No. It's the self-control that must be born of being a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. Okay? You hear that. All right. So here's your first your first fill-in for those of you who are What's the fill-in? I don't care. Get to the fill-in. Okay. <laughs> this is kind of context. Why self-control is so important. The bigger picture. This is the giant jumbotron picture of why self-control is important. Spirit-led self-control is the ultimate antidote against the fall. Okay? So, here's the deal. During the fall, right, God says to Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree. You can look at it. You can walk by it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Okay, so of course they eat it. And what happens is there is an abrupt halting of God's kingdom here on earth. The forward progress, this utopia, I mean, if you read uh, Genesis 1 and 2, it's like every every other word is, it was good, it was good, it was good, right? God had made this perfect world, this, this, this great idealistic world where everything was um, in harmony, right? It was wonderful, right? Heaven on earth, literally. And then Adam and Eve jack it up put an abrupt halt to God's kingdom here on earth. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. So Jesus goes and he dies on the cross, right? So in, in that sense, God is kind of dethroned, right? His sin enters in and breaks the world. And Satan becomes the landlord here, right? Okay. So, here's the deal. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus is talking. He's like, this is the Lord's Prayer. This is how you're to pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit in our lives, we usher in the kingdom of God here on earth. Think about all the brokenness and the the chaos and the disease and the self-indulgence that was brought into the world with the fall. It was monumental, right? But when we accept Jesus and we come under the lordship of Jesus, and we say, not only are you my savior, I'm getting to heaven, but you are my lord, I bow to you. Holy Spirit starts doing a work in our 
we start getting a different vision of the world. It's not what can I conquer, what can I dominate, how can I get the better end of this, um, how can I maximize this opportunity for me, and I'm not saying that you can't be a capitalist or you can't enjoy things or you can't have ambitions or, or, or move ahead in life, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is when we as humans decided that we're gonna dethrone God, we, it's like a ship that gets lopsided. When the Holy Spirit comes in and rewrites the ship and we put God back, it sounds cliche, but we put God back in the driver's seat. And instead of driving around, like a lost person. Well, I'm just going to throw my husband under the bus. The bus. Have you ever noticed? Like, I will stop and ask for directions if I get lost. My husband's like, no, 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 we're going to find it. We're just keep going, keep going, keep going. 40 minutes later, we're like down to take a gas. I'm like, should we stop and ask because we haven't run into where we're supposed to go yet? No, 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 we're just going to keep going. And that's kind of how we are. We're like, no, no, we're going to keep going. Like, we're going to run into it. God's like, stop and ask for directions. Because guess what? I made the car you're driving in. I made the roadmap. I made your destination. But we don't, and it's human nature. We want to supplant the authority of God. We just don't like authority as humans. We want to do it for ourselves. Pull myself up by my own bootstraps and get it done. And that's kind of cool, because that's kind of what has made America America, right? Frontiersmen or women. Right? We got it. We got it. We got this. We're going to homestead this, man. We got this. But we need the Holy Spirit to come in and reclaim Jesus' rightful place, which is ruler of our life. So, when we submit to God, and we allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of self-control in us, we push what happened at the fall back. We manifest the kingdom of God here on earth. That's pretty heady. Let that swim around your head for a second. All right, next point. Spirit-led self-control gives us the ability to consistently choose the important over the urgent. So your pillar is the urgent. So let me, let me, let me put it like this. Um, when, when we are in the midst of a situation, oh, a couple of, let's see, last couple of days ago, I was, I was stressed. So he was just like asking a bazillion questions. I'm like, we need to go now. She's like, but why? Why can't, why can't I wear the And I was just like, I was about to pop. I was just like, right there, like, <laughs> right? I was out of church, out of church. I took toes, it's right now, like, and I felt like God's really been working with me. If I could be just really transparent with you guys, I feel like God's been saying, Mako, you need to, you show grace to other people, you extend grace to other people, you need to do so with your daughter a little bit more. You know? And so I've been kind of just really convicted. So, anyways, so I'm just like, I'm just like, dear Jesus. Please give me strength right now, because I'm about to lose it and explode all over my child. <laughs> and I was just, I just, I just, I was like, oh, we have to go, we're going to be late, right? And I felt the Holy Spirit come in me 
near my heart, just and he was just like notch down the frustration and the anger a bunch. So that I didn't pop. And you know what? Check this out. Later that day, Sophie's like, you know, mom, she goes, I picked her up from school, I was asking her about her day. And um, I said, what was the best part of your day? Because that's what I do. Hopefully when she's in high school, she'll be like, oh yeah, she'll still be sharing stuff with me. But so I said, what was the best part of your day? And she goes, actually, it's seeing you right now. I said, what? She goes, you know, and I know I was kind of uh, I was kind of difficult this morning. Thanks for not losing it and feeling up this morning. And she goes, and I, I was like, oh, you know? <laughs> she, and she was like, I'm gonna try harder to, uh, you know, not to learn when it's appropriate to ask questions. You know, try and move quicker in the morning. So, do you know if I had lost it, if I had not leaned on the Holy Spirit, I would have lost it. That would not have happened. That wouldn't have happened. Trust me, there have been plenty of other times where I've completely lost it. Lost it, lost it, lost it. But that is, that's the ability to act on the importance over the urgent. The urgent was, we need to get out of here now, 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 now. Let's go, let's go. The important, though, was that I showed grace to my daughter. See, when we function in this capacity, the self Self-control of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pulls us back and is like, this is the 10,000-foot view. This is what you need to be looking at. I know it's hard because you're right here, or you're right here, and this is tempting, but I need you to pull back and see the bigger picture. This is the bigger picture. So when we have spirit-led self-control, we allow that to dominate will consistently choose the importance over the urgent. And let me tell you this too. Uh, there is something uh, in, in prepping for this, and maybe some of you are like, Mingo, I don't have temper issues. Okay, that's fine. But there's other areas in your life, though, where you need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and just do some major cleaning. And maybe you're like, you know, I got this, though. I got it. I'm a very disciplined person. I wake up at 30 every morning, I do 10,000 crunches, and I run seven miles, and I come back, and I'm ready to go. I'm good. I'm very disciplined. And my budget for the next 10 years worked out. I'm good. I got it. Well, guess what? You don't have it. There is something called uh, willpower depletion. And this is a real thing. Basically, we have a limited amount of willpower. And when we keep bumping up against, uh, let's say, temptation or, or situations over and over again, like a daughter that won't get it going in the morning, or whatever it is, you guys, you guys know, you know, whether it's donuts or whether it's shoe shopping or whatever, and we keep bumping up against that and we're not drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit to help us develop that muscle of self-control, that spiritual discipline of self-control, we will fall. You have a limited reservoir of self-control and self-discipline, and it will run out. It's weird how the Bible knows what it's talking about. 
fail ourselves. We are finite. But guess what? We serve an infinite God with infinite resources and with infinite love. Okay. So we are to call on him in our time of need. And, you know, all right, let's just go on. Okay, so the next one is, because I could stand here like for 10 hours and talk about this stuff. It's so fascinating, so uncontrolled. All right. All right, the next one is, um, spirit-led self-control frees us from the burden of the law and empowers us to live according to the Spirit. Okay, so how many of you guys know Frozen movie? Me? Well, for the rest of you guys that don't know, let me, let me enlighten you. Okay, we, we own the movie. I think we bought the soundtrack like five times or something. Anyways. Okay, so it's a Disney movie. It's about, it's loosely based on the Snow Queen. There's two sisters. One of the sisters, Elsa, has like these ice powers, okay? And um, there's an incident that happens, because I don't want to ruin it for those of you guys who are like, I'm an adult, I gotta go see this movie, it sounds so compelling. Okay, but so this, there's an incident that happens between the two sisters, Elsa and her sister Anna. As a result of this, Elsa's parents are like, you have to control your powers. You have to just, just woman up and dominate your powers. You have to control them, right? So, this is the burden that Elsa grows up with. She, she doesn't, she tries not to use her powers, but they keep popping out, and she's just freaking out, because she's like, I have to contain them, I have to be the good girl, I have to, I have to control them. I have to exercise control over them, and she tries, and she tries. Anyways, the climax of the movie is, She's been trying the whole movie to figure out how to control it. She can't control it. It's, she creates these disasters out of her powers until she finds out the secret, and it's love. Love is what sets her free. She, is, she taps into love, and that's the, the magic key for learning to, to manage her, her powers. And I think for us, maybe with whatever we've been struggling with or whatever has power over us, we're like, no, I'm like this too. I'm feisty, man. I'm scrappy. I'll go down the ship. And Jesus is like, I'm not asking you to go down the ship. I'm asking you to submit. You need to submit. Stop trying to meet, to measure up to the, the, the law. The law was good. It had its place. And then Jesus came along, and he's like, guess what? You are under grace now. And this doesn't mean that it's a free-for-all, but we have the Holy Spirit that's like, no, don't touch that. Don't have that dream. Don't hang out with those people. The Holy Spirit talks to us, and it's, it's a lot easier to listen to that than to carry around a checklist, isn't it, and say, I gotta do this, 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 this. I gotta go to Bible study, I gotta pray for these people, I gotta do the food bake, I gotta, I gotta take food to these people, I have to pray for these people, I have to send this person to get all car, I have to, it's, it gets exhausting. And then what happens is, that becomes a religious construct trying to measure up to the law. And then it gets frustrating, because we're like, we can't do it all, this, ah, ah! And we throw our hands up and we walk away in frustration. Like, forget it, whatever. 
But when we're under grace and we live according to the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit. And there is great freedom in that. Because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes, maybe, God's like, I know you have a good heart and you want to, um, you want to go pray with this person. Or you want to go make a meal. But you know what's best for you right now? I want you to sit in my presence. Just sit and marinate my presence. Read my word. You need a refresher. See, when we live under the Spirit, we have freedom. When we live under the law, we are constrained by its, its construct. It's rigid, it's hard, and we will never measure up to it. Romans 7, 6. This is the New Living Translation. So if you have an ID, it's going to be a little different. It says, but now we have been Released from the law. In the Greek, it's like this idea of shackles that have been dropped from us. We're no longer shackled to the law. For we die to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Amen to that, right? Isn't that great? There's great freedom in that. It's scary because a lot of times I think living according to the law is it feels a lot safer, doesn't it? We know the parameters are. If we're living under grace and living under the Spirit and the leading of the Spirit, the Spirit's going to be like, no, you usually go to the food bank on Saturday mornings. Instead, I want you to tap that person in front of you at the supermarket and I want you to pray for them. What, God? That's out of my comfort zone. I don't do that. God's like, yes, I am leading you. That's a scary place to be, but it's the place where we grow and we manifest Christ. And then other people look at us and go, hmm, there's something different about that person. Why, why do they do that? Or why didn't they do that? What's up with that? All right. Allowing the Holy Spirit, this is your next filling, for those of you who are like, what's the next filling? <laughs> Allowing the Holy Spirit to cultivate the fruit of self-control gets at root issues in our hearts and minds to which we are blind. Okay, I think often we don't have any malicious intent necessarily, but as human beings, and especially with our own faults and our own junk, we look at stuff and we say, yeah, it's not that bad, or, you know, I have a little problem with my words, or I have a little problem with my temper, right? Or maybe I have a few drinks too many and I get a little buzz, but that, you know, I got this. Whatever, it can even be innocuous stuff like going to church or doing Bible study or whatever. We have like these spiritual beer bottles on, kind of. We're like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, guess what? Anything that creates even a millimeter of a wedge between you and fellowship with Christ is a big deal and it is a problem. And it needs to be laid on the altar of Jesus. 
1 Kings 2 about this guy Joab, who is a super like loyal advisor to King David, okay? And remember, David's son, David was an awesome king, loved God, right? But he was a horrible parent, just a horrible parent, right? Okay, so his son, Absalom, remember? He starts talking to people, and he's like, hey, why don't you come follow me? I'm going to be the new king, right? Okay, so this guy, Joab, and so, so Absalom gets a bunch of these people that are like, yeah, Absalom, yay, new blood, yay, you're better than your dad, David. Your dad stinks, right? Okay, so everybody else goes along with Absalom. He's like, yes, we pledge ourselves to you. Well, guess what? Joab's like, no, David, I, I, I swore myself, I pledge my life to you, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to stick with you, I'll be faithful to you. Okay? Well, guess what? Years down the road, when Joab is an old man, he thinks that he has declared his loyalty. But guess what he does? There's another guy that comes up and challenges David's authority. He's a loser. He's a coward. And Joab, guess what he does? He goes with this guy. And what happened was Joab thought that he had dealt with it. He thought, I'm a, I'm a loyal guy. I got my loyalty figured out. Well, guess what? He didn't. And I think this is what happens with us. We have blind spots. We have spiritual blinders on. A, a blind spot is you think you're looking, right? How many of you guys have, like, you've tried to merge? You're like, I'm here, and you hear the horn. Or worse, you crash into something. Somebody. You cannot see it. Even though you're trying to see it, you can't see it. That's what spiritual blind spots are. Spots are. We can't see it. We think we're trying to get there to see it, but we can't. And that is where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. He's like, you have this area that you need to deal with. You need the control of the Holy Spirit to come in and dominate this area. And that's hard for us to do as humans because let's just be honest, we like to be in control. I do. I like to know what's around the bend. I like to know where we're going. Apparently my husband doesn't because he doesn't have <laughs> let, me, let me read this quote to you from Oswald Chambers. He's this British guy that writes a, just a great theologian. Um, this is what he has to say about this. You may have just victoriously gone through a great crisis, but now be alert about the things that may appear to be least likely to tempt you. Beware of thinking that the areas of your life where you have experienced victory in the past are now least likely to cause you to stumble and fall. Be vigilant. Be vigilant and submit to God. That's where it's at. Um, this is kind of this is cool. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10. This is 11 and 12. Okay, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, right? And the Corinthians, you guys have probably gleaned this from other sermons you've listened to and reading and stuff, but Corinth was like this hotbed of like, we think, we think, we live in a culture that's debased and full of jacked up stuff. We have nothing on the Corinth, the Corinthians. This city, they were into temple orgies and orgy feasts. You know, it's like, take a break from your activities, let's munch, let's get, like it was just, it was corrupt and it was base. Okay, this is also where the Corinthian church is born. And so Paul is speaking to these 
These people who are culturally Corinthians, they have come from this culture, they have grown up with this. Okay? And they, Paul's speaking to them, and they're trying to dabble, they're trying to do both, they're trying to live in both worlds. And Paul speaks to them, and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 12. These things happen to them as examples, the Israelites. So he's trying to say, look at the Israelites, man. They thought they had their stuff together, and look what happened. These things happen to them, the Israelites, as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Underline this. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You know, what's interesting, what we don't get here in the English, is when Paul says... If you think you are standing firm, that's that's tame. What he's actually saying is, if you think you've arrived, if you think you have this under control, if you think you have this, guess what? Get ready because you're going to get dumped on. You've got another thing coming to you. The Corinthians thought they were grounded. They thought they could go to orgies and just, I don't know, like hang out and just talk to people. Paul's like, you don't have this under control. You need to get this under control. You need to submit this to Jesus. All right, next, next one. Ultimately, self-control is born not from exerting a superhuman amount of willpower, but from loving God. At the end of the day, our human efforts will only take us so far. You know, even when we try and press on, we're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this happen, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get victory in this area, I'm gonna conquer this thing. It's like we, we kind of putter out and stop short. Or maybe you have, maybe, maybe whatever this thing is, maybe, maybe you've conquered it in the past. Like I said, there is this very real thing called willpower depletion. We keep coming up against temptation, and it doesn't have to be the same thing, it can be different things, right? Maybe it's a relative that you don't get along with, or a coworker that you can't stand, whatever. Or a donut addiction, whatever, right? We are constantly confronted and bombarded in our daily lives with stuff that we have to say no to, we have to self-correct, right? That gets depleted, that will get depleted. So what do we do? We can't just man up or woman up and be like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, man. Muddle through this. I got this. No. We need to recognize that while we have good intentions, we are not faithful. But God is faithful. And God will put the gaps in our tank that we need to overcome. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10 13. And this is so encouraging to me, this verse. I hope you guys mark it in your Bible too, or it resonates with you. So 1 Corinthians 10 13. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with a temptation will provide the way of escape. Now this is important here. Underline this in your Bible. The part that says, but, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also. God always provides a way of escape, always provides a way out, or sometimes we have to walk through stuff, right? He doesn't airlift us out of the situation, which would be nice, nine times out of ten. 
But he provides this way of escape. Well, guess what? It's our choice whether or not we want to accept that way of escape. And sometimes, let's just be really honest here, we don't want it. We like, this feels good. This is, this is scratching an itch. I like this. You know, I used to, um, and I am apologizing in advance, like, I just, I don't know, road rage is quite explains it, but it's a little harsh of a word. But, so when Josh came on staff here, and um, I'd be driving to, to, to church on Sunday mornings, you know, I'm usually running late, so I'd be like stepping on it, right? And inevitably, I'd be behind somebody that was going slow. So I'd be honking the horn, never flipped anybody off, but I'd be honking on the horn, and be like, well, guess what? Guess where they were going, too? They pulled into the driveway here at church. They were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I'd have to sit in the car and wait until they came in. <laughs> and wait it out. And I, I just, I had to learn. God is saying, you have a way out. Don't be so angry when you drive or leave a few minutes earlier, right? God always provides a way, but it's up to us whether or not we want to choose. Alright. Right, the other part of this too is the self-control that has been born from loving God. When we love somebody, right, we just naturally want to hang out with them and spend time with them, right? Um, a couple weeks ago we um, Josh and I met up with friends from college, one of my girlfriends, with her husband. And it was, it was, there was 10 little girls under 10. So it was a lot of estrogen in the house. And my, my four girlfriends and their husbands. And so Josh and the other husbands were kind of like, eh, it's not a lot of testosterone in this house. Okay, but we, the girls would stay up late and we would just be stupid and laugh and whatever. We all cackled. And we had these huge laughs. And it's because we've been friends for 20 some odd years and we've spent a lot of time together camping trips together, going places together. When you love somebody, you spend time with them. And guess what? You start kind of picking up their traits and their habits, huh? You start saying things this, in similar fashion. My, my sister and I don't look anything alike. I got the Asian genes, and she got, like, I'm just kind of pasty white, and she, she doesn't look like me. She got brown hair, olive skin, real olive skin, the eyes. Anyways, so often people will be like, you guys are sisters? What? And then they hear us talk and they act, they're like, oh yeah, you guys are totally sisters. <laughs> when we love God so much, we press into him and we spend time with him. And we submit willingly. And it's not like, oh, Sometimes it's like that, but it's not like, oh, God, I'm trying to be really diligent about this. Okay, have your way with me. But it's just kind of like a natural progression that happens. And we love God, and so we say, God, you have your way in my life. And it's not forced, it's natural. Uh, sometimes with, with Josh and I, like, if we go to a restaurant, we can't decide. Because we're both like, you decide, you pick. No, you pick. I want you to pick. You pick. You've had a rough week. You pick. Where do you want? And so we end up going, like, to pull over a lot of times and somebody has to make a decision. But it's like this mutual thing where we're just like, you pick, you pick. Him. And that's kind of how it is when we love Jesus. We're like, I love you so much. I will do whatever you want me to do. I submit to you. And that's where 
this powerful, spirit-led self-control comes into being. We can't manufacture it, we can't will it enough, but it's born from relationship with God. Because we've submitted, we trust God too. We say, God, I don't understand, things are scary, I feel a bit lost, but I trust you. Have your way in my heart and my life. Let me ask you this in closing. Can I have a band and ushers come up, please? We, whatever we naturally love, whether it's a person, a hobby, a food, a habit, whatever, music, we are just naturally drawn to that. Right? We don't have to really think about it. It's just like, ooh, I see a nice pair of shoes somewhere. I'm like, ooh, nice. And when we have that, it's not, it's not forced. It's not something that we have to think about. Let me ask you, what are you drawn towards? What gets you to go, ooh, ooh, nice? I want you to do a quick inventory, just while you're sitting in your seat. What are you passionate about? What drives you? What compels you? And I'm not just talking about the stuff, okay, I gotta pay the bills, I gotta work. But like, what drives you? What are you passionate about? And then ask yourself this, is that born of God? Is that from God? If it is, amen, let's pour fire on that. If it's not, Submit that to God. And it's okay, let me just say this, it's okay to be an ambitious person, to want a better life, to want to look nice and put together like you know yourself. But the point at which it dominates our thoughts and our heart is the problem. So if there's something in your life that is dominating you, I challenge you this week, lay that on the altar of God. And say, God, take that, burn it, consume it. Because sometimes God does give us these passions, right? But we're the ones that take it and kind of jack it up. So just ask God to purify your passions and your desires. Um, Tim Keller, who's this pastor from New York, he actually helped form um, the Gospel Coalition. He's just a great guy. Very very intellectual, but very tapped into the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Just a great guy. So anyways, he has this great quote about self-control. He says, self-control is not a matter of a naked exercise of the will against the feelings. Rather, you're always controlled by your deepest passion, what captivates the heart most, what captivates your heart is it Jesus? Is it the kingdom of heaven? If it's not, guess what? It's okay. God can come in and he can rearrange things. He's, that's what he's in the business of. You guys got uh, one of these. You should have got one of these in your bulletin. It talks about self-control. Because maybe you're thinking, well, self-control, very black and white. Just want us to read this real quick. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray over the offering and then we'll read it. Dear God, Lord.
Lord, we love you so much. God, thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for saying I love you where you are, but I love you. I love you enough to change you into a new one. God, we pray that we would look more like your son. God, transform us. And God, if we don't have a desire to be transformed, I pray that you would put that desire in us. I pray that that would compel us, God, to our week. Through the midst of the busy hustle and bustle, God. I pray that that would dominate our thoughts and our minds. God, we, we give this offering back to you. Thank you for being generous with us. We pray that you would accept this, God, this offering as a way to say we love you. We honor you. Amen. All right, so let's take out this half thing as the ushers are ushering. Because, see, here's the thing with self-control. Remember I talked about the beginning? It's kind of like, a, like the, there's the hub and there's the spokes, right? Well, it takes self-control to love others, not as the world does, but as Christ loved us, right? It takes self-control to have joy when we are facing a difficult situation in life. It takes self-control to make peace instead of constantly getting into conflict. It takes self-control to patiently bear with others rather than quickly condemning them. It takes self-control to not automatically look out for yourself, but kindly look out for others. I, I challenge you this week. Take this, maybe put it in your car somewhere or on the fridge where you're going to see it. Like, ask God. Say, God, show me how to lead a life of self-control.